sharks and dinosaurs. Sometimes they do go together. Welcome back to another Textination interview. And with us is Don Lessam, a former reporter for the Boston Globe, who is now known as Dino Don. Thanks for joining us, Don. My pleasure. Well, some of us journalists do feel a bit like dinosaurs, I suppose, but that's not what this is about. Give us the background. How did you get into the robotic dinosaur business? Uh, well, I tell you the short version of the long story. Uh, the Boston Globe sent me out on a story to interview dinosaurs, or at least the people who study dinosaurs. And I never came back. I found it so fascinating. And I knew even then that the newspaper business had a limited lifespan. But I just thoroughly enjoyed going out on these expeditions to weird places with very weird people, with uh, the idea of reading a landscape that's long gone, finding these you know, jigsaw puzzle pieces for a big puzzle that isn't known, and the scavenger hunt of it all. I just, uh, you know, I found it fascinating and still do. So I decided I would go to every dinosaur dig in the world. There are not that many. There are only 35 guys who dig dinosaurs and gals. So uh, I wrote a book that nobody read for adults and decided that children were really the audience. It took me a little while to glom onto that. And <clears throat> I ended up writing about 50 books for kids. Uh, since I was in Boston, Nova was filming them. So I became an editor there for dinosaur films and hosted one. And then met this guy, Michael Crichton, who happened to know another guy named Steve Spielberg. And so I advised on the movie. When it was all over, I was frustrated. No one was listening to me about what the dinosaurs really did. So I made an exhibit and Spielberg nicely gave me all the parts and uh, sets of props from the movie. And we made a lot of money correcting what was in the movie and gave it all the dinosaur research. So I decided I'd love the exhibits the best. Three years ago, we went on a big dinosaur dig in, in China, actually to an excavation site that's the best in the world. Happens to be the town where dinosaur robots are made. I always hated robots, but I saw that the way they're made there, uh, they're by hand with no mold. And if someone gave them good information, they could make good looking full-size robots. And there you have it. Well, more recently, uh, <laughs> along came an appearance on Shark Tank. Yes. That was pretty successful, I think, ending in a deal with, with Mark Cuban. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, very nicely, Inc. Magazine, you know, for small businesses, did a feature on our fast-growing company because in the space of three years, we've gotten to be the biggest. And uh, one of the producers of Shark Tank saw it, called us and said, would you like to go on the show? Mainly, would you like to bring your big dinosaurs? That's what we're interested in. Not so much you. He didn't say that, though. Uh, I said, sure. He said, well, think of a reason you need money. Well, we can always do that. I think all of us can think of a reason. So I did. And, and um, I insisted they bring my wife because she's much more personable than me. So she became the financial advisor. And the, it was taping then in Las Vegas because of COVID. So we, we drove from Philadelphia to Las Vegas in an electric car and nearly made it. Uh, what do you mean so it nearly was, made it? You mean on one charge or you had a problem with the car? <laughs> no, <laughs> it won't make it on one charge. But um, when you get to Arizona, the charging stations are few and far between. Turns out that there's a thing called hypermiling. 
that saved our lives because if you go 21 miles an hour in a Tesla, you can go twice as far as at highway speeds. So with an anti-Trump sticker on the back of our car, going 21 miles an hour uh, with trucks going 80, slamming <laughs> their horns on, uh, we made it. <laughs> what a story. So I got to tell you, watch the show as millions do. And uh, you seemed hesitant to take the deal with Mark Cuban. It, sound, it looked like, and then your wife said something to you. So what was that? Uh, well, she said she was going to kill me if I didn't take it. Uh, <laughs> really? Is that <laughs> no, <laughs> she's much too nice, but I can read her eyes. It was to that effect. Uh, you know, that we knew that only Mark Cuban would be interested in this. Uh, he's the only one who works in the sort of the entertainment realm. It was a big ask, half a million dollars. So as you know, by our shirts, uh, we, we were pretty sure it was him or nobody. When he made the offer, I was cognizant of the fact that they liked the drama. And so I should hesitate. My real inkling was to say, okay, sucker, I'll take it. <laughs> You'll be sorry you did this. But I looked at my wife and, and, and played it out as long as I could possibly do it. And then, of course, since all my friends who like to criticize said, why didn't you negotiate further? Because you offered 10% for 500,000. He offered 25%. You could have got him down to 20 well, to me, his presence alone is worth God knows what percentage. Um, so far higher than 25% plus the money involved. So I was just uh, delighted that he was doing it. So where do you go from here with that? Uh, do you know yet? Uh, I know this was uh, taped a, a little while back anyway. Uh, yeah, it was taped back in October. And so we've, we've been waiting quite a while and they don't let you know when you're going to be on. I have to tell you that uh, at the end, when we turned around and showed that our shirt said, we love you, Mark Cuban, we could hear the rest of the sharks and him going, how did you know to do that? Well, <laughs> it was a lucky guess. In any case, uh, we've already gotten the money. We get lots of great advice from him and we're, uh, we started applying it to our next big project. It sounds like the whole experience was pretty positive for you. Oh, entirely. Uh, I'm trying to think of something negative. I like to think of negative things, but I can't. So um, it's, uh, it's wonderful exposure. We've gotten, I think in the first minute since it aired, first minute it was on, we had 2,300 hits on our website. We're used to, you know, we're a specialty maker of dinosaurs, four or five an hour at the, on a great day. So we're still getting a week after 50 inquiries an hour. So it's a wonderful thing for us. And of course, there'll be repeats uh, in, in the future too. You Ad infinitum, yes. yes. So, so there, there will be in, I don't know how many languages too. So, so tell us where, where you're going from here in terms of uh, building this out and, and, and expanding and bringing dinosaurs to more people and places. Sure. Well, I know you're tech-minded. Uh, we want to improve the technology in this. That's the first thing we want to do with the money that's given. For the existing tours we have, we go all around to zoos. We're in 10 of the biggest zoos in the country. And we put together 30, 40 of these dinosaurs. And they look great, but they don't work great. So uh, that's part of the, the 
the positive and negative of making things in China. So we, we want to retrofit them here in America and use some Western technology controllers that are the same used in Hollywood that allow us to make these animals react to each other, uh, reliably do multiple movements. So what we want to do with it is to create our own tour. And you know, there's some very cheesy dinosaur tours going on now in parking lots around the country where you drive your car through and you see these sorry looking half size sewn together things that look like a used car showroom. We don't wanna do that. We wanna put them in a natural setting, have full size, really good looking animals interacting with each other, have people walk through on a tour. So that's our big goal. And have that go around the country, spend a week or two in one city and go on to another, a little like the circus. And even, even put these things on flatbed trucks and drive them through town to let people know they're coming. Modern day circus, look at that. That's great. That's so, right. And, and I know, well, ABC is owned by Disney. Any tie in there? Well, I don't know yet. You know, we signed a, the most onerous agreement in the history of mankind when, when we signed up for the show, uh, which, gave, which gave them the right pretty much to my grandchildren. So if they decide they're interested, they're welcome to it. I, I think that um, in the parks themselves, because I worked as an advisor. In fact, I met my wife as an, we were both advising to Disney. Um, they have their own everything, their own backstories, their own technology. I mean, the manhole covers, if you notice next time you're in Disney, are handmade with Mickey on them. So they like to do things their own special way. Well, tell us about the accuracy that you demand and the sure. technology that, that you put into these to make these as, as realistic as you do. Right. Well, it's actually the carving to make them realistic is low tech. It's uh, some little old ladies from the countryside in China with exacto knives and equivalent of foam couch cushions. Uh, so it's, we rely on their talent. Plus the difference is we bring, we're fortunate enough to have an American dinosaur artist who we located who lives an hour from the factory. You can't get any luckier than that. And then we send scientists along too. They give us the drawings. We try to pose the dinosaurs, which is an interesting technical challenge because obviously they have to support their own weight. And there's kind of a metal armature that's made first. Then there's a, the motors are attached to that, the foam over that and the silicone over that that then is painted as skin. So several steps, but we need the scientists to try to dictate this is the most realistic pose that the architecture can support in order to create what we think is a, a pose and behavior that these animals actually did. And we know a surprising amount about dinosaurs these days. We know a lot about even their color. So there's a chance for us to have real fidelity in what we're doing. So we aim for that. What do you think? Uh, is there ever going to be a, 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 a Jurassic Park kind of thing for real you'll be competing against? Uh, no, actually, we got an, one of the inquiries we got as a result of the show was to put a dinosaur attraction on Kauai, where Jurassic Park was filmed. So that's about as close as I think we'll ever get. Remaking the dinosaurs, you know, in the movie, it's such a conflation of poor ideas. I asked Crichton at the time, like, this doesn't work. Why'd you do this? He said, well, 
I, I needed dinosaurs and I skipped a few steps. That's great. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, it's, it's the challenge is, I hope I didn't lose you. I still got you. Uh, We're here. Good. I don't know why you're not on my screen, but I take it I'm on yours. Uh, the, you know, the, when they make dinosaurs, if they ever do, it's going to be by taking the DNA that's in dinosaurs that we have found, actually, and replicating that. Problem is that we have so little of it. It's so degraded. For people who remember phone books, it's like we have one name in an entire Manhattan phone book. How are we going to get the rest of the names? So it's just not going to happen. Uh, and I think it would be a terrible idea if it did. Uh, commerce aside, uh, they had their time. If you brought them back, they would probably die within an hour. The air is completely different. The plants that we have have evolved toxins, alkaline uh, chemicals that would kill all the dinosaurs. So why bring them back only to kill them again? So they not, not necessarily would they be killing us as per the movies. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. If we breathe on them, it's, uh, you know, our germs, even pre-COVID, uh, wiped out more Native Americans than our guns did. So poor dinosaurs. Uh, I feel bad for them if we ever brought them back. For more information on, on all that you're doing, Don, where's the best place for people to go? Uh, two places. If you want to know about the robots, and I think everyone needs one in their living room at least, plus where all the exhibits are showing. So if you have kids and like you grandkids, uh, you know where they'll demand to go. That's on dinodoninc.com. And there we also show a lot of the process um, of how these things are made and uh, in order form. So if you want to spend, I think the most expensive thing we have is a $50,000 T-Rex. But if you're so inclined, we will bring one to your house. And on dinodon.com, it's just a fun site for kids. Uh, believe it or not, there's nothing really fun on dinosaurs for children. There are some incomplete informative things. So uh, it was one of my priorities, non-commercially really, to try to put together something that kids would love. And on there, we have a contest every month where we give away an entire dinosaur. This month, there's a 20-foot dinosaur hidden somewhere in the country. If you figure out the clues, and I think it's going to take an entire library staff to figure out the clues, um, but we'll make it easier and easier until somebody wins, and this 20-foot dinosaur will go home with somebody. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing, Don, and we'll continue to follow what you're doing, following those giant footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear them coming, so you can outrun them. Don Lessam, thanks for taking the time with us. My pleasure. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers, and that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts 
that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions, too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC SkyWave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.